it says where Satan's seat is. And we want to talk about this. Where Satan's seat is, is actually making reference to Revelation 20, verse 6 through 14, the second death. Satan's seat here is speaking of Satan's death or the place of his final abode. Now, most of the messages I preach on Sunday morning are very positive. And I try to build faith in people, but today I felt a direct inspiration from God to talk to you about the works of iniquity. I feel that this is so very, very important because that sometimes people do not know, even after they receive the Holy Ghost, after they have experienced the new birth, they do not know what they're up against and they don't know what they're battling against. And it is only important and it is only wise for you to know that if you're fighting the devil... How to fight him, what to fight him with, and what to look for when you fight him. You would not want to go out fighting on a battlefield with a blindfold over your face, would you? You wouldn't want that to happen to you. And you wouldn't want to crawl in a boxing ring with some prize fighter if you were blindfolded. Now the Apostle Paul speaks of this when he speaks of a person running the race he said let us lay aside every weight and the sin that might so easily beset us let us run the race and then he talks about a prize fighter he said not one that beateth the air in other words a guy is just out punching but he doesn't know what he's punching in other words he has his eyes blindfolded and he's in the ring with somebody but he can't score a lick I used to be a great boxing fan, you know, years ago. and I used to enjoy watching boxing. But I hated those fights where they never did land any punches. Some guys would get out and it just looked like a windmill going, but they never did hit anything. That's what he's talking about, not one that beateth the air. We have to know what we are fighting against. It is very, very necessary. In Matthew, the 12th chapter, there is a passage of Scripture that was used by the Lord, verse 43 through verse 45. The Lord talks about the unclean spirit that departs out of a man. He talks about what happens when a person comes to the Lord. Verse 43, when the unclean spirit is gone out of a man, he walketh through dry places seeking rest and findeth none. Now Jesus said that his kingdom was set up in the heart of a man. It is also true that Satan sets up his kingdom in the heart of an individual. Now, I do not believe that everyone who... uh, is given to the powers of satanic forces or possessed by the devil himself. 
personally possessed any more than I believe that everybody who operates under the banner of Christianity and that they do good works have been baptized or possessed with Christ's spirit. Basically, he's talking about possessed individuals. But notice what he says. When the unclean spirit is gone out of a man, he walketh through dry places, seeking rest, and findeth none. Then he saith, I will return into my house from whence I came out. And when he has come, he findeth it empty, swept, and garnished. Then goeth he, and taketh with himself seven other spirits more wicked than himself, and they enter in, and dwell there, and the last state of that man is worse than the first. Even so shall it be also unto this wicked generation. Now Jesus was talking about a a generation of people, which uh, this would be applied to. And I think that this passage of Scripture is as applicable to our generation as any generation of any time past. I have always stressed, and I still believe with all of my heart, that if you come and you repent of your sins... And while sin is of the spirit world, and sin is not necessarily the devil himself, but it is the works of the devil, when that is cast out of your life, and you have fully repented, that there should come upon you a desperation for God, and for the filling of the Spirit, because the most precarious vulnerable position that a man can possibly be in is a repented state and yet be void of the baptism of the Holy Ghost because the devil's going to come back and the devil will try to make his entrance into the life of an individual. If you have been possessed with the Spirit of the Lord, baptized in his name, and yet you are not on fire, and you're not receiving a renewing in the Spirit, then I also feel that you're subjecting yourself to powers that are beyond your control. We cannot fight the devil by human talents and abilities and resistance. You have to fight the devil... With the Spirit of the Lord. You, you're no match for the devil. Now Paul speaks of the carnal mind and he says the carnal mind is death. Now sometimes we relate the carnal mind as the mind that opposes God. The mind that uh, is corrupt. But you see that's not altogether what carnal thinking is. We all have a natural mind. And we can all reason certain things out. But the carnal mind is the mind in which we make application with. We apply human reasoning in a detrimental way, spiritually speaking. 
To be spiritually minded, we use natural wisdom and use our natural mind, but we make spiritual application. That's the spiritual mind, how we apply our reasoning. And so as a result, uh, some people can, can logically conclude what uh, has been said. They can read their Bible, but they make absolutely no spiritual application where other people can take the same thing, reason it out the same way, but they make spiritual application with it. Now, the carnal mind would be a mind that would come to church and realize that it would be good to have a spiritual service, but if you don't have a spiritual service, so what? There's another day. See? But the spiritual mind says, I must do it today. I realize the importance of it, but it must be done today. Why today? Though the outer man perish, the inner man is renewed day by day in the Holy Ghost. If somebody receives the Holy Ghost today, the spiritual mind says, great, that's absolutely necessary. But the carnal mind would say, great, however, if nobody doesn't, well, there's another day. See, that's the carnal mind. The carnal mind, or let's talk about the spiritual mind, says, I don't feel like praising the Lord, but I know I need to praise the Lord anyway, so you praise the Lord. The carnal mind says, I don't feel well, so what? There's another day. It's important, but I'll do it another day. Is that right? Now I'm pointing out some of you who are baptized with the Holy Ghost because I saw you not praising God and not worshiping the Lord. Now the Bible says the carnal mind will bring what? Death. It will bring death. And death is speaking of the second death of Revelation 20. Now doesn't that make you want to raise your hands and praise the Lord? Okay, let's take everybody who's baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost, and let's take our hands and lift them to the heavens, and let's praise the Lord. Would you do that? Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. God, we love you. We worship you. We praise you. Lord, you're so wonderful, God. You're so great. <clears throat> Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. God, you're so great and so wonderful. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Now let's clap our hands together. Praise God. Let's say it together. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I worship you, Lord. I worship you, Lord. I worship you, Lord.
Paul says that the carnal mind cannot know the things of God because they are spiritually discerned. Who can know the spirit, say the spirit of man, which is in man? That if our spirit is clean and our spirit is right, that we make communication with God, with our own spirit. Praise God. And oh, how important it is that we have the right spirit in us. I want to talk about some ways in which the devil will come and which the, the devil will talk to you, the way in which he will enter in. Now, it would be good for us to turn to 1 John, the second chapter, and we want to read verse 15 and 16 and 17. Now, John says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. Now, when he says, Love not the world, he is not talking about the planet Earth. See? Because notice what he says, Love not the world, nor the things that are in the world. Now, world here is taken from the Greek word cosmos. And it simply means the world system, the system in which the devil has set up his empire. So he says, love not this system, nor the things that comes out of this system. See? Now notice what he says. If any man loves the system, then the love of the Father is not in him. So if you love the system in which the devil has set up his earthly reign, then the love of God's not in you. So Christians are not to love the cosmos, the satanic system, nor the things that come out of that system. And you know, there is a vast difference in what comes out of the system of the world and what comes out of the blood-bought church. Now notice what he says. For all that is in, now notice this, he says, love not the system, nor the things that are in the system. Now he's talking about what's in the system. All right? For all that is in the cosmos, okay, notice this, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the cosmos. Okay? Now notice what it says. And the cosmos, that is the system of the devil, will pass away. It's not enduring. It will meet destruction. It has already been more than just prophesied against. It's been predestined. To pass away. But he that doeth the will of God will never pass away. He will abide forever. Praise God. Now that gives me great assurance in God. For I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against this day. 
I feel very secure putting my trust and confidence in God even though I am very aware that I rub shoulders every day with the cosmos. I am in this world, but I am in this world as a pilgrim and as a stranger. We read 1 John 5, or 1 Peter 5. 1 Peter 2 speaks of us as being pilgrims and strangers in this world. You can be in the world, but not of the world. Now, that simply means we live on the planet Earth, but we're not a part of the cosmos, the system in which the devil has set up his earthly reign. Now, I want to talk first about the ways in which God speaks to men. God speaks to men in so many different fashions and forms. It is unbelievable the numerous avenues that come to us in which God travels down to bring to us a message. God can speak to us right here this morning through the, through the Word of the Lord, through the Bible. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of the Lord. God also can talk to you through a parent, through a relative, through a friend. God can talk to us through impressions. That simply means while we're praying that there are strong impressions that come to us. He can speak to us in an audible voice if he so desires. There have been people that have heard the audible voice of God. Somebody asked me if God could speak to man with an audible voice. I suppose he can. He has. He's capable of doing it. He could talk to us through dreams. He could give us a vision. It was prophesied in the book of Joel that when the last days were upon us that our old men shall dream dreams and our young men shall see visions. So God has so many ways to talk to us. God also talks to us through the verbal, spiritual gifts, tongues, interpretation, and prophecy. He also gives us a word of knowledge and a word of wisdom, which are impressions that come to us from God. Now, I've had God to speak to me through word of wisdom, word of knowledge, uh, I do not say this boastfully, but uh, me along with a lot of you, we've been used in spiritual gifts where we would actually prophesy or, or speak with tongues and interpret that. And whether I'm doing or whether you're doing, I always consider it being from God. God can take everyday circumstances and speak to you. Why, there are times when you almost have a wreck. You call upon the name of Jesus and, and all of a sudden that adversity that's upon you seems to disappear. And it's like a miracle that happens. It's just right, it's gone then, see. You could come to church like you're at church today. Perhaps you've never been in an apostolic church. And you can see a demonstration of the Holy Ghost. And while you view that demonstration of the Holy Ghost... 
God can talk to you through that particular circumstance that you are involved in. I think there are as many people one to the Lord through viewing and through seeing as any way that you could ever come up with. In Acts, the second chapter, if you will turn there with me, Acts, the second chapter, when the Holy Ghost was poured out, you will notice verse 32, the resurrection of the Lord is being proved in the message in which Peter preaches. And of course the Jews and all the other different nationalities who are there, they accept, at least 3,000 of them do, the words that Peter preaches, but he fortifies his preaching by saying this, This Jesus hath God raised up, whereof we are all witnesses. Therefore, being by the right hand of God exalted, and having received the, of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, he hath shed forth this, which you now see and hear. Now, what were they seeing and what were they hearing? Well, the Bible starts out in Acts, the second chapter, by saying, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Now, if my uh, memory serves me correct, today is Pentecost Sunday, is that right? Okay. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven. As of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them clothing tongues like as a fire. And it set upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Verse 6 says, And now when this was noised abroad... The multitude came together and were confounded because that every man heard them speak in his own language. Now they were all amazed and they marveled, saying one to another, Behold, are not all these which speak Galileans? And how hear we every man in his own tongue wherein we were born? Now notice what happens in verse 12. And they were all amazed and were in doubt, saying one to another, What meaneth this? Others mocked and said, These men are full of new wine. In other words, they were acting so peculiar and so uh, uh, out of step with the religious movement of that day that uh, they were actually accused of being drunk. So when Peter stands up and preaches... He not only preaches the prophets of the Old Testament and the promise of the Holy Ghost, but he says, this which you now see and this which you now hear is proof that there is a resurrection, that Jesus Christ is not still in the tomb. There is an empty tomb. And you see, what they saw the people and what they heard of the people 
That circumstance was a strong influence. Now they thought they were drunken. Have you ever seen a drunk person? Sure you have. Staggering down the sidewalk. Have you ever seen someone literally drunk in the spirit? See, Paul says, be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be ye filled with the Spirit. And while some people would never one time think of giving themselves so much into the Spirit and so much to God that they become drunken, by the same token, they'd turn around and give themselves over to the works of iniquity to the point that they're literally driven as a slave at the hand of of the devil. So you see God. Talks to us in so many different ways. Now. Did you know that every fashion and method. In which the devil. Or that God talks to us. The devil can take. And talk to us in those very same ways. And that's what. John is saying in his epistle. Notice this. For all that is in the world. The lust of the flesh. Okay, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. See, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. Now, notice what he's saying here, the lust of the flesh. You see, there's sometimes in which you see things and you lust after it. Notice this. But there are times in which you do not see anything. And yet, just in your own mind, you begin to lust after things. Because everything that you have seen, and everything that you have heard, that you do not presently see, and you do not presently hear, because that the impression is in your mind, your flesh goes after it. Now, there are certain things that you're looking at right then. And the devil tempts you with that. Now, you see, God does the same thing. This is the reason why that he allows you to evolve from circumstance to circumstance to see certain things, to hear certain things. Now, I want to talk about some things that I feel that you need to be very, very cautious of. And if you are here and you have never given your heart to the Lord, I make a strong appeal to you today that you need to do this. You see, we're living in the last days. And there are certain things that come upon us that lure us away and cause infidelity to the cause of the Lord. Now, I just uh, noticed this morning as I knelt down by my bedside to pray, I just uh, moved the paper out of the way. I read the paper uh, late at night. I enjoy reading the paper late at night. There are certain things in the paper, however, that I don't like to read. Now, if you notice, I, I just uh, observed this morning when I laid the paper out of the way there on the look section, it says, star tracking, comma, and landers. Now that just says that's what's in the look section. And of course they call it the look section because the word look has a strong appeal. 
Why don't you take a look? See? Now, <laughs> you may star tracking. Now, people have, people have studied the stars and tracked the stars, and they have predicted fortunes and such, and the future of individuals by tracking stars for years. See? And, of course, you know, the Bible makes a strong stand against that. You remember the story of King Saul who went to the witch of Endor? Now, when Saul went to the witch of Endor, the Bible tells us, now this was after the Lord turned him over to a reprobate mind. He had disobeyed God so much that he could not hear the voice of God. So he decided, because I can't hear the voice of God, and I would somehow like to know some futuristic thing about my life, I will go to the witch of Endor. But if you notice, when he went, he disguised himself. Now, why did Paul, uh, Saul, rather, the first king of Israel, why did he disguise himself when he went to the witch of Endor? Because, you see, Saul, in his early years, in his early reign, when he was right with God, was responsible for putting all the witches out of the country. Because in the land of Israel... There was a law that was made by God that no works of astrology could be in the land. And they took all the witches and all the literature and such and they threw it out of the country. Now Paul, or Saul, I keep calling him Paul, uh, Saul, the first king of Israel, disguised himself. Why? Because he happened to be the woman, or the man rather, that ran the woman out of the country. To start with, she was out of the country because he wouldn't let her in there. Now, he's going back and resorting to the thing that he opposed in the beginning. And there are certain things that are right at certain times. And there are certain things that are right if you use them right, and wrong if you abuse them. But there are certain things that are always Sin at all times, regardless of how little, how much you use them. They're always wrong. Now, there are certain things that are not wrong unless you make them wrong. You know, you can, let's say you enjoy fishing. Now, you can fish and fish and fish, and there's no sin in fishing. Jesus went fishing with his disciples. But you see, if this becomes an obsession to you, where you miss church all the time and, and, and uh, that's your focal point of life and it becomes number one in your, to take the place of God himself and you'd rather go fishing than go to church, then you have abused a good thing and it becomes sin to you. Or maybe the next man can enjoy fishing as much as you, but he's disciplined enough to say no when it comes time to go to the house of God. But there are certain things that are always sin. I mean always. And you can't get around it. Now the works of astrology and uh, witchcraft and such were totally forbidden. All the witches in Israel, if they, if they did not leave the country, were put to death. Now, Coming into your home every day is a zodiac calendar. 
It seems real strange, you know, here's Ann Landers and Zodiac Calendar. Now you may say, well, are you saying it's a sin to read Ann Landers? No, I didn't say that. Just the, It just kind of strikes me humorous. In other words, here's your fortune. This is what you ought to do to stay out of trouble. But if you get in trouble, you write Ann Landers, she tells you how to get out of it, see. <clears throat> so here's a quick solution. You, this is what you do to stay out of trouble. But if you happen to get in trouble, here's what you do to get out of it now. See? Well, these things are being infiltrated into our present society at a great uh, and rapid rate. You go into a local restaurant, and here's the Zodiac on the back of the placemat, sometimes on the front of the placemat. Kids sit around and read it. Always telling your fortune. It's a very, very important thing. Very important thing. Now, you'd be surprised how many people really believe all that stuff. You see, to start with, you, you don't believe that. Most people laugh at it. After a while, because that maybe one day they said something that was right, then uh, you read it, and it so, so it happened that way that day. You began to place faith in it. Place faith in it. Now, surprisingly, you see... God speaks to man the same way. Now, not through the Zodiac, but through what he hears and what he sees. See, faith cometh by hearing. You definitely become a product of what you listen to and what you see. Now, this is a reason why that it is very vital and very, very important that if you're here and you're a guest and like you have a television in your home, that you do not allow your kids to watch everything that comes on the television. Now, I do not have a television in my home. I don't want a television in my home. I won't have a television in my home. But you see, the constant diet of just looking and listening and looking and listening programs your mind to think like the cosmos. You may say, are you trying to tell me, Pastor Grant, that everybody that's out in Hollywood is, is from the cosmos? <clears throat> I read just the other day in the paper where, what is it, uh, these tennis shoes is all turf shoes Nike? Said so they're, they're putting out wedding shoes now for ladies like Elizabeth Taylor. They said she runs down to the altar so often. <clears throat> and you see, your children become victimized by that. Now, don't say they don't become victimized by it. They do. They see all this slaying, all this killing, all of this illicit love making and such. And what happens to them? It may not have an effect on them when they watch it right then. But after a while, you see, as they begin to see everything else around, it becomes a strong teacher and influence in their life. The lust of the flesh. In other words, they're not seeing it with their eyes right then. They're not hearing it with their ears, but the impression is there. And it keeps coming back, 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 and it keeps coming back to them. 
Now Peter knew what he was talking about when he said, Be sober, be vigilant. Now he knew what he was talking about. Our adversary is the devil. Now, I would rather be talking about the good things of the Lord. But you see, Satan has a particular nature. In the New Testament, in the book of Acts, when they gave their heart to God, the Bible says that they, you know what they did? They all gathered together and they burned all their curious arts. Now, curious arts means everything that's related to satanic powers and forces. They ripped them off their walls, and they went out and they started a big bonfire. And they burned them all up. Really. And I think that you need to go through your home and things that are related to satanic powers and such. You know, sometimes you see skulls and... and, and uh, and uh, skeletons and and weird things. I was trying my best to teach a search for truth class, my wife and I, and right across from the table there was a, a modern art picture. But all it had on it was like 42 inches long and uh, I would say 30 inches high. It had nude bodies of ladies. And of course uh, they were so distorted and everything... But here I was trying to teach this, and, and uh, uh, my wife is here, and one recipient of the study over here, one here, and one over here. And I'm facing this all the time. And, and it was ridiculous. And I'm trying to talk to them about the Lord. Now, I'll tell you the truth, not even knowing God, I wouldn't want anything like that in my house. It was so weird and so messed up. And you see, a culture is defined by its music and by its art. Why? Because its music and art are supposed to be true expressions of the inner being. And I can tell you this, my friend. If abstract art and rock music is an expression of our culture... We're in sad shape. And we are indeed in sad shape. But there are certain things that you just don't want in your household. Why? Because you see the Satan and the powers of iniquity have a direct road to your mind and to your inner being. You need to go through and rip those things off the wall. And go through your records and get all of this garbage. What you see and what you hear. Now maybe you're not guilty of this, but you should just take a stroll over just one time. And take a look at some of the records that are on the market. We heard about a sale and Sister Grandma I think went to Shopko or someplace and, and, and I took and walked over there, and they had this big thing for sale. And, of course, uh, I walked up there, and I picked up a record. I looked at I like to died. I said, I can't believe that any normal human being would want to, to go after something like this. Tell me. 
what was the freakiest thing I'd ever seen in my life. Never seen anything like it. Dear me. I put it back. I said, wow, I wish I hadn't seen that. Mm. You know, I want to throw something else in here, and some of you are going to think I'm real narrow-minded. You know, they all, the people always say, now, you need to be broad-minded. Some people are so broad-minded, their brains fall out. <clears throat> really? <clears throat> but, you know, I think the worst thing that a housewife can do is go get these red books and and, and all of this, and read all those romance things. You know the reason why? Because you see what you do, you read this, and, and, and if it becomes entertainment to you, and I suppose that you'd read it for the purpose of entertainment, then you feel that your marriage ought to be just as romantic and just as so forth and so on as that is in that book. And you constantly go back, and all of these Harlequin romances and things, I'll tell you what, I'd burn all those things. And if I caught my wife reading, I'd, I'd, well, I don't know what I'd do. (laughs) I tell you what I did do one time. I found some of them in the house, and I said, where do these come from? Sister Grant said, well, I got them from Sister So-and-so. And I said, well, where'd you get these? I got them from Sister So-and-so. Oh, this is, you know, that's no no big deal, no big deal. I took them all and burned them. She said, you're not going to burn Sister So-and-so's books. I said, I am. I'm the pastor. And if I went in her house, I'd burn them over to her house. And we burn all those things. <clears throat> burn them up. Praise God. And you may say, oh, Pastor Grant, you're taking all the fun out of life. Listen. I happen to know that there is pleasure in sin for a season. I enjoyed it for a season. And you will enjoy it for a season. But my friend, the world is set up in seasons. It doesn't always stay summertime. There will be an autumn. There will be a harvest. And the Bible says, be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. And he that soweth to the flesh shall reap destruction. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall reap everlasting life. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Oh, hallelujah. hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now you see, Satan's nature. Turn with me to Revelation 9 and we'll just look at something about his nature. Now, you see, if you want to know if it pays to serve God, you read about the nature of God, and then you'll find out. See, if you're going to marry a woman, you need to find out what her nature is. If you're going to marry a man, you need to find out what his nature is. This is the purpose of courtship. You know, you can commit murder, and you can go to the state prison, and you can stay there for a couple of years. That's the way it is nowadays. And you can be out on parole, and you can be restored back to the good graces of society, and everything's all right. You know, you can get over it in a few years. You marry the wrong woman or the wrong man, and you're stuck for life. Almost makes you want to back out if you're about to get married, doesn't it? 
But this is something that is very, very important for us to understand. So let's look at the nature of, of Satan. All right? Now, you will notice in Revelation 9, this is the fifth trumpet that's sounding out of heaven. And a trip is made to the bottomless pit. Now, the bottomless pit is the lake of fire. Now, it talks about, it gives a physical description of these demons that are there. We won't go into that. But if you notice what happens, <clears throat> in verse 11, the Bible says that all of these devils that are in hell, they had a king over them, okay, which is the angel of the bottomless pit. Now, angel here means messenger or leader. If you look back in Revelation 2 and 3, well, Revelation 3.14, I happen to turn there. It says, unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans. Now, the angel here means messenger or leader. Now, that's basically talking about the bishop. The bishop or the pastor or the general overseer of the church. Okay. Now, in Revelation 11... Or Revelation 9, rather, verse 11. They had a king over them, which is the angel, or the leader, or the messenger, of the bottomless pit, whose name is in the Hebrew tongue is Abaddon. But in the Greek tongue hath his name Apollyon. Now, Apollyon means, literally means, destroyer. See? In other words, his name denotes his nature. And you will notice throughout the Bible that there were certain people that that uh, carried a name for a certain length of time, and then God changed that name purposely because they changed their nature. Now, Jacob was a man. The word Jacob means supplanter, and he was that indeed. But you see, God himself changed his name to Israel, which means a prince with God. Why? Because Jacob wrestled with the angel... And changed his, that, that encounter with the angel of the Lord changed his nature. So God changed his name. See? And you will find that the word Apollyon fits the nature of the devil throughout the pages of the Bible. Now, if you notice something about Jesus, they shall call his name Jesus. God, the Creator, has become a Savior or salvation to us. Now, John, the 10th chapter, and I know that this, to, to some of you, this seems to be very elementary. But nevertheless, it is good for us to go through some of these things occasionally. John, the 10th chapter, verse 10. All right? John 10, verse 10. The thief cometh not, but for to steal, and to kill, and to destroy. You see, the devil doesn't want any happy 
marriages. And so what he's going to try to do, he's going to try to break up every couple. Now, if he's trying to break up every couple, how's he going to do that? Well, if a, if a man is spiritual, his wife is spiritual, he's not just going to pass by with some woman that will just win that man's heart. Because that's probably impossible. But what he will do, he will plant seeds in that marriage that will cause friction, tension, and dissatisfaction. And this is the reason why that I say that all that Harlequin romance mess ought to get out of your house. Because you will find one thing that all the people that do all of this playing and such on television that teaches you how to love and be loved and be romantic can't keep one themselves. So evidently that don't work. Now I'm trying to keep you couples together and keep you happy. You need to communicate with each other Express yourself with each other, and you need to enjoy each other. And you don't have to read some kind of book to know how to do it. Now, I know that that will cause some problems. Have you ever gone and watched? Now, all of us have done this at some time in our life. You watch a strong movie on romance, and when you got out of there for two or three days, you still lived that thing. The emotions were still there. There was still that feeling there. And yet, you realize that it was so uncommon to natural life. See, see, there are certain things about natural life that's not romantic. See, it always sounds great to fall in love and get married, but with each love encounter, there is a long, long, long train of responsibilities. Washing dishes is not romantic. Changing diapers is terrible. <laughs> See, you understand what I'm saying? Okay, the very nature of Satan is that he wants to destroy everything that would make you happy. Now, you think about that for a minute. Everything that make you happy. Now, how is he going to do it? He will bring something that appears to be just the opposite of what it is. Now, notice this when they advertise cigarettes. You notice how, you know, they just it's just the thing, see? I mean, it's just the thing. You see this long, sleek lady laying out someplace on the slab without any clothes on, and she's smoking a cigarette, and she says, We've come a long way, baby. See? 
Now see, deep down inside, she's, she's eating up with, with, with lung cancer. Have you ever seen the lungs of a person that have, has smoked cigarettes for years? Well, I never have. But I have a book, some books in my office of uh, pictures of lungs. Every now and then I have somebody that won't quit smoking. I, bring, I take them in and I say, I want to show you this. See, you look at this. Lay it all out. Man, looks like a charcoal briquette that's been in a, a, a barbecue uh, a Weber grill that's about half burned out and then somebody poured water on it. And that's what your lungs look like. It's all pitted and out of shape and distorted. See. But, you know, to the innocent teenager, that's the thing to do. Cigarettes have sex appeal. Now, there is nothing sexy about kissing somebody that smokes. It's like licking a... An ashtray. <laughs> no, I'm not trying to be funny. I'm, but you see, this is the, that's the way Satan makes it makes it look, you know. Just, oh, just come on. Wow, we're going to have a great big time. Yeah, but listen. You see, only for a season, the Bible declares. It soon goes away. It soon vanishes. You see... By nature, the program, the system, is designed to kill you. It's designed to destroy you. It's designed to rob you of anything beautiful in life. That's what it's designed to do. And you will, think, you will find that everything that you do in life that is adverse to the way of God has very devastating uh, effects on you physically and spiritually. See, before I came to the Lord, I had a bad temper. I mean a bad temper. Now, brother and sister Rutherford who are here can, can tell you that. Oh, I used to have a temper so bad I couldn't even stand myself at times. And, and I'd lay awake all night trying to figure out ways to get even with people. And really, you know, you think about that. That's crazy, isn't it? Now, you know what happened? I worried about things so much, I got a stomach ulcer. And I started losing weight, and I started losing weight, and I could, where I couldn't eat anything, and I got sick. I went to the doctor, and, and I was smoking one cigarette after the other. He x-rayed my stomach. He said, you know what? You've got to quit smoking. He said, well, I said, why? He said, you literally have a hole burned all the way through your stomach. And smoke is escaping and going against your diaphragm. And when you smoke a cigarette, this is the reason why you have pains in your hands. I said, every time I smoke a cigarette, i got pains in my hands and my arms and legs. He said, your diaphragm is just a mass of nerves and muscle. And every time you breathe with that smoke in there, there's irritation and inflammation that sets up, and you got you got problems all over. you got to quit that. I said, you mean quit smoking? Said, yes. And you're worrying too much. You know, you, you've got to just start taking life easy. See? Well, I wish somebody had told me that years earlier. I'm sure they did, but, but you know, people are hard-headed. Sometimes they have to learn the hard way. And I was that kind of person. In fact, my mother... I figured most of my problems came from my mother because she just warded me to death. 
really. Every time I turn around, she said, John, when are you going to go to church? And I remember when the preacher used to come over the house, and I'd lock myself in the bathroom, and I'd tell Sister Grant, and I'd go to the door and tell him I'm not here. Now, you wouldn't believe my wife would lie for me like that, would you? Well, she used to do that. <clears throat> but I'll tell you one thing. I got so low that one day I was wanting the preacher to come to see me. See? Now, there are a lot of people today who tell me, said, Brother Grant, now some of you who know me and work very close to me, you know otherwise. But some people say, you know, you never get upset about anything. Well, I kind of practice that. I like that feeling. I like to every now and then just go and just empty all of that garbage out of my system again. You know, you've got bad feelings against people. You know, you're not hurting them. They're going on about their work. They don't even know that. You're hurting yourself. See? You're killing yourself. See? Oh, hallelujah. Praise God. <clears throat> but you see, Satan and all of his works are designed to destroy you. Literally destroy you. Now, Revelation 20 verse 10 speaks of the end of the story as far as Satan is concerned. Revelation 20 verse 10, And the devil that deceived them, that's the people on the earth, that's the Antichrist and the false prophet who lived in deception, they were cast in what? The lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are. You see, preachers are not preaching the truth. Place themselves in a very difficult position come judgment day. And you know, every work, the Bible says, will be open before God. And they shall be tormented day and night forever and forever. You see, the devil's going to get what he deserves simply because that he came and deceived and tormented people. You see, the devil wanted you to have a hell on earth while he was laughing at God. But God is going to say, hey, you're going to get what you deserve. And he's going to be cast into the bottomless pit forever and forever. Now, Matthew 25, and if you'll turn there with me. Matthew 25, 41. Then shall he say also unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. In other words, hell was prepared, not for people. That was not the reason why that, that God made a hell. That's not the reason why he made the lake of fire. He made it for the devil and his angels. 
Now the devil knows that he's going to go to hell. Did you know that? Do you know when, when Jesus went by uh, Gadaria and cast Satan out of this, this uh, demoniac? You remember that story? Jesus passed over to the Gadarenes and he went by and he saw this man. This man who lived in a tomb. Can you feature somebody that lives in a graveyard in a tomb? Now that's the nature of the devil. Isn't that something, you know, you see all of these hell's angels, motorcycles. What do they have on those motorcycles? They have crossbones and skulls. The very nature of the devil to destroy. And then to bear the name hell's angels. Well, that, you know, that just sounds, I don't know, it sounds ridiculous to me. I, I see no appeal, but nat naturally, I guess if I got involved in some of the things they were, that might appeal to me. I don't know. Because you see, you have very few feelings that are neutral. You take on the feelings of that which you associate with, you see. But this man who came out of the tombs, the Lord asked him what his name was. He said, legions for we are many. And you know what he said? He said, Jesus of Nazareth, have you come to torment us before our time? And the Bible says that the legion spoke out and said, Leave us alone! For you have come to torment us before our time! You see, the devil knows that his day of torture and torment is coming. He knows that. He openly admitted it to Jesus. But Jesus then cast those devils out and directed them into a herd of swine. And notice what happened to the herd of swine. The herd of swine then went right down the hill toward the lake. And all fell in and drowned. That's the nature of the devil. Again. You see. So hell is prepared for the devil and for his angels. But I want to point out something here in verse 41. Then shall he also say unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire. Now he's talking about people here. He's not talking about the devil. He's not talking about the angels. If you will notice in verse 30 of, verse, of chapter 25, also, there's a parable given of, of three stewards. The unprofitable steward, the Bible says, servant was cast into outer darkness, there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then you may say, if, Brother Grant, if hell is prepared for the devil and for his angels, why do people go there? Well, the logic, I'm sure, behind that is, what God is saying is, if you want to follow him, then you follow him all the way. You see, if you want to follow God, you follow Him all the way. I'm going to a holy city. Why? Because that's where He's going. I'm going to a heaven. Why? 
Because that's where He's going. And what the Lord is saying is, you choose who you want to follow. But please understand, when you choose, you follow Him all the way. You see, He can't be your leader if you're not following Him. Now, we all know what the Bible says, and we all know the works of iniquity, but why do we constantly, over and over and over, fall into all these traps? A lot of it has to do with our exposure to the things of the system of the world. See, we're constantly lured away do you know I still remember smutty jokes that I heard when I was in the world? It must have been a good feeling to be like Adam and Eve. They were innocent, not knowing good or evil. And this is the reason why we have a Christian school. You see, we want our children to grow up not knowing the works of iniquity. Now, I know that a lot of people say, oh, they don't need to be clustered so they need to be exposed. No, they're too young to be exposed. And there is a certain pleasure in ignorance. You've heard ignorance is bliss. Listen, I still remember, and every now and then, somebody will say something, and for some unknown reason, something I haven't even thought of for, for ten years pops up in my mind. I rebuke that thing, but you see it's locked in the files there. And even though God has forgiven me, it's still there. And you see, no person who has been baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost can afford to flirt with the system of the world. Why? Because there's too many things in your files that you can't get out. You will notice also the rich man who died and went to hell. You will notice this in Luke 16. The rich man who died and went to hell. When he went to hell, Father Abraham said, Son, remember. He didn't even lose his memory when he went to hell. He remembered every chance he had to be saved. He remembered every opportunity he had to, be, to, to serve God. He remembered it all. But even in hell, he continued to remember. I rejected the witness of Lazarus. I kicked him around like a bomb and, and discarded him. Praise God. Oh, how we need to feast our mind upon the good things of the Lord. And keep our mind upon God and stay away from the things of the world. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing the word of God. Oh, how we need to keep our face in the pages of the Bible. Praise God. How we need to attend services and give ourselves holy to God. Praise God. Hallelujah. When we're sick, we need to be reading about the healing power of the Word. When we feel temptation come upon us, we need to run to the Bible. Jesus did that. When temptation came upon Him, He quoted three scriptures that put the devil on the run. And if Jesus could put the devil on the run with three scriptures, friend, I know I can with 66 books packed full of them. Praise God! Praise God! Praise God! Oh, hallelujah! Hallelujah! I don't want to forget where I came from! And I don't want to forget the precious Word of God. David said, Thy word have I hid in my heart, O Lord, that I might not sin against thee. Praise God. Praise God. Be sober. Be vigilant.
Praise God. He's talking about a, a man that walks the wall. He's got his sword out and he's looking. Where is that devil that would come to destroy me? For the devil, as a roaring lion, seeketh whom he may devour. Praise God. Praise God. Oh, listen to me, friend. There's cleansing power in the blood of Jesus. For Jesus is the Savior of the world. And there's no other name under heaven given among men. Whereby you must be saved. Praise God. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. There's healing in His name. For He is the Savior. He is the Savior. He is the Savior. He is able to heal you of all manner of sicknesses and diseases. Praise God. There's nothing that's a real challenge for God. Now things challenge us. When we pray for people, we pray that they will not be healed, but that they will receive their healing. Why? Because you see, healing was provided back on the cross already. The Holy Ghost was poured out on the day of Pentecost. We don't pray that people receive the Holy Ghost or that they will get the Holy Ghost or God will pour out the Holy Ghost. We pray that they'll receive the Holy Ghost. That simply means open their heart. It's already here. All you have to do is condition yourself by faith to accept it. It's already done. If you want to be healed today, all you have to do is condition yourself by faith in God to accept that which was already paid for. Praise God. Oh, what a beautiful, beautiful life it is to live for God. Would you stand with me at this time? All over the building, let's lift our hands and let's praise the Lord. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Elf, there is no telling. Is that G? No. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, God. There is no telling what God can do if you believe. There is no telling what God can do if you believe. He'll heal your body. He'll save your soul. He'll make you happy. He'll make you whole. There is no telling what God can do. Just wait a few minutes. If you believe, let's do it this way. Sister Patty Gaminder is here for healing today. I'm sure that throughout the building there are other people who'd like to be healed. If you'll just come and stand kind of in a line behind her here, if you would. Then those that want to give their heart to the Lord are those desiring a deeper experience with God. There is a place to pray. If you will simply step out and come and just kneel your knees to the Lord. Pour out your heart to God. Praise God. He will satisfy and meet that need. Let's sing it again as you respond. There is no telling what God can do if you believe.